What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Live we are on this beautiful last day of May uh, 2017. This is Chuck Bartok speaking to you from the banks of the Sacramento River in beautiful Northern California. Uh, it was kind of interesting this week. I posted on Facebook that uh, we're always reminded annually uh, at this time, these dates, that uh, about 102 years ago, our beautiful mountain just uh, across the river and up the hill erupted into a massive volcanic. Uh, it's actually the last uh, major uh, volcanic uh, eruption in the United States, and uh, that was uh, uh, Mount Lassen. And it still boils and bubbles up there a little bit, but uh, so much of the land around me, in and around the river, and all the way across the valley, uh, the landscape was affected by that volcanic eruption. And so, even though it's beautiful, mantled in snow, it, it kind of gives you a little bit of a, a thought that, uh, you know, mankind is, is somewhat insignificant in so many ways when it comes to nature. Uh, all of these wonderful, intelligent people having all these meetings about uh, the world and, and uh, conditions in the world are a pimple. Uh, when if you just look at just, uh, you know, 102 years ago, the power that that volcano unleashed onto the climate and to the surrounding area, it, it does give man a little bit of, uh, uh, what's the word I want, uh, a sense of insignificance. Uh, even today, if you climb up Mount Lassen, you get up about 8,900, 9,000 feet, and you can see that there's still activity up there. Perry Chalmers is with us, and also the beautiful, gorgeous Tanya Heathco. Perry, good afternoon. I was t chatting with Tanya before we pushed the button. How are you doing, young man? Up in you're in Newfoundland, are you? No, uh, New Brunswick. New Brunswick, that's right. Well, I I was close, eh? <laughs> close. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I don't know if you met Tanya, if she was on before. Tanya Heathcote. Uh, her name I is. I don't think so. She's an interesting person, and I'm kind of glad the two of you are on. Um, Tanya. Uh, if you just listen to any of the past episodes, you can learn more about her. But the one thing, I, I had a conversation with Charlene Burke on Facebook, and then I had a conversation with a neighbor who came by after he read James Strauss's first 10 days of 30 days as September. I think you're familiar with that, aren't you, Perry? Yes, I am. And, and so is Tonya. Um, he was... He was a Vietnam, I mean, late, late, excuse me, late Korean War vet. And the one thing that struck him is he said, why don't more of us tell our story? Interesting conversation from a gentleman in his 80s who's led an interesting life up in the hills, uh, kind of a, you know, rough and tumble mountain guy. Uh, and 
I've always wondered about that. Why don't we as people, because each one of us lives such unique lives, I mean, there's no such thing as ordinary. There's no such thing as average. It's impossible. Average is, is a mean that's math, a mathematical uh, significance. It has nothing to do with, with humanity. There is not an average human being. And, I, and, and it's, it's tragic that untold millions of people have been taught those words in relation to humanity as being average. But that's not being said or that being said. We each, Perry, you have a story to tell. Have you told your story? <laughs> um, in, in, in several different places, in several different ways, um, pieces of it have come mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've ever sat down with anybody and told the entire thing. Do, let me ask a question because I'm going to ask Tony. I, of course, I, I, do you honestly believe that if somebody listened to or read your story, your story, that it could have a positive impact on them? Um, I, I think it will. Mm-hmm. I think it could. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it would depend on um, how I told it and mm-hmm. how how uh, disjointed the story would be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like a good book of stories got to flow to to make sense. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it, it, if I can't make sense of my own story, how does somebody else right. make sense of it? So, um, I think that's one of the big uh, walls or, uh, you know, obstacles for, for you know, like Jim Strauss waiting, what, 40 years to tell his story, um, or your friend that was a Korean War veteran, mm-hmm. um, you know, that I think there's more to it than that, but I think that's the the... I guess the the key obstacle is that um, not being able to tell it the way we want to and not not having to um, paint it through rose-colored glasses. Mm-hmm. So we never that, want it. We never, I mean, rose-colored glasses, you throw those out. Otherwise, you're just yeah. another hack, you know, another, another literary or illiterary hack. <laughs> yeah, but... but I, I mean, when you look at um, you look at the the stories that guys have written and and, and veterans have written and published from any any war, it doesn't matter what time frame. Mm-hmm. And when they tell everything unabashedly, exactly the way it happened, mm-hmm. uh, people that haven't been there don't ex- haven't experienced that mm-hmm. are sitting back looking at it going man this guy's full of shit mm-hmm. you know or how could anybody go through that and turn around and laugh at it or right. you know how can somebody see that and not be bothered by it right. that that statement that you just made i think is one of the most inhibiting factors because we all allow ourselves to be socially directed that keeps people from telling their story. And what I want to kind of lean towards, in other words, 
be, before the program, I don't know if you listened to the fact that Tonya has had, she just flat out said, I've had a lousy, you know, I haven't heard from her, I've had a lousy couple of weeks. Yeah. I have some severe infections, and I'm seizing about three times a day. Did you see how matter-of-factly she said that? Yeah. Because, and, see, uh, in a way, she owns her condition and understands it, okay? Yep. Now, she can share that with people who understand. I think this is, I think the focus is we tend to feel we have to appeal to everyone, okay? Yeah. And that's kind of what you were saying, you see, you know. And I think when we throw that mantle, that yoke off of us and think that if my story can be read and be a positive influence to just one person, it's worth telling. Okay? Yeah. But we've been conditioned. Tonya, you you know, you may or may not. We've been conditioned to think that we have to appeal to the masses. Now, in, in no way, when I've been talking the last couple of weeks about, you know, marketing and, and, and writing and so on, because I'm not a writer. Everybody knows that. I mean, I do write, but nobody could ever call me a writer. The 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 thing that I've learned in observing the what's happened to Jim's story right. is, is he has a following of people who understand what he's saying. And he and they don't give a tinker's damn about what somebody that doesn't understand it feels. Because we've had people come on and say, well, this has got to be full of crap. This couldn't have happened this way. It's not according to the book. Yeah. Well, we don't take that personally. We just ignore it. Tonya, some thoughts from you? Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. We don't, we don't take that personally. We just ignore it. How grown up of you. Oh, <laughs> we would hope at our age we became. I mean, don't, don't, wait a minute. You know that I'm a kid, right? Uh, you know, you know that's a part of personal responsibility. I am so proud of you all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. And I have learned. I have learned through through my experience. You know, there, there was a, uh, there was a part of my life where I thought the thing to do was tell my story or a portion of my story and help the masses. You can't help the well, masses. Well, I, and, and I did that, and yeah. I did that. And, and what I learned from that was what it did was it sucked the life out of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I'm, and I'm repairing from that now. Right. You know, um, and, and that's okay. That's right. okay because, because it was a positive lesson learned. Right. And, you know. and go, going back to the fact that you have a story to tell, which you really haven't totally told, because you know yeah. that I'm always bugging you to write it down, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because Now, when you started the 501c3, and I want to publicly declare this, Tonya had a burning desire, and she did have a burning desire, to create an awareness for something that very few people, the masses, knew about. But obviously those that suffer the same malady knew very well. And and I think what she really said, just she might I'm not putting words in your mouth, is that she tried to appeal to the masses, but her story is very important for people who are in a similar condition or who have 
family members who are in a similar condition, and that may be a limited group of people, which it is. You know, I don't know what the numbers are. It's irrelevant. But again, Tonya, I want to encourage you to tell the story. We ha- we're also joined by Upper Central Michigan. And since they're not members of TalkShoe, they're, they're defined to me as Upper Central Michigan. I don't have a name. Who's joined us? It's me, Leland Best, Chuck. Oh, you? Leland, okay. Thank you very much for being here, Leland. Uh, Leland Best, for those of you that don't know, uh, is a gentleman I met actually uh, on Blab when it was up and running last year. We have some common friends, people that we've kind of met each other. One thing about Blab versus the talk show is that you could see the people, so you had a, a little different uh, reflection of them. You're seeing them speaking, and you can, you know, you can, they can see people like me who get on Blab when I haven't combed my hair in the morning, which is, you know, just totally ugly. And, uh, but anyway, uh, Leland has a talent that I found out about, and I've been very pleased to use his talents and expect to use them more. Um, he's a person that can do some great video production. Uh, I, I interviewed Jim Strauss. It's up on YouTube, 34 minutes. We've taken snippets of it. And Leland was the guy that produced it, which means he, you know how, how, how somebody takes over the whole screen and then you fall back to a couple of other people? And Leland, uh, I, I think you did a great job. Uh, is this something you're doing pretty much full-time now or what? Well, it's not a full-time thing that I'm doing as a uh, this way. It's a service that I've been working in and involved in since back in my high school days, honestly, which if you want to date me, that takes me back about 30 years. Um, but yeah, I've just, recently yeah. been really working on making this my main goal. I'm working okay. with a lot of people in Pakistan right now. Yes, you I'm, are. I'm actually going to be involved with producing a broadcaster to one called Meet an Israeli and another called Meet a Palestinian, possibly even one called Meet a Pakistani, oh, which great. will be broadcast on the international organization. So we're hoping... As time moves on, I'm going to be actually interviewing a wonderful gentleman later this week after he, what he calls shifts instead of moves to a new yeah. home. Uh, it's it's a Muslim gentleman who is very uh, Zionistic and, and believes that Israel belongs where it belongs and that the Jews should be where they are. So mm-hmm. we're going to have some interesting conversations at the mm-hmm. end of the week, gentlemen, and uh, look forward to seeing the book that he's I'll be talking with you on that later behind the scenes. Good. Okay. Perry, I mean, not Perry, uh, Leland, do do you have some background noise? Because when you came on, we we started getting some background noise. And I know that you're an expert at all this audio stuff. It's kind of warm in here, and I'm using a very inexpensive Android tonight. Okay. Well, it might be the the device, yeah, because you are breaking up and, you know, the... um, I, Let me do this, Chuck. I'm going to call in on a different line, a different okay. voice line, other than this line. So I'll be okay. back on. All right. I'm in the same way it came in before. Great. Okay. Right. Thank, Thank you, Leland. Yeah, and and there there we are with Leland, ladies and gentlemen. Leland has a story to tell. Uh, this is what just fascinates me. We all, as individuals, regardless of our so-called social position or social strata or whatever, and the reason I emphasize this and have for, I don't know how many years, way too many, is that we can impact the lives of other people 
And the more we give, the more we get. And that premise that was instilled in my mind in grammar school, high school, and college, believe it or not, I was told these things. I was exposed to this philosophy over and over again that the more we give, the the more we have to give. or The more we give, the more we get. And that doesn't mean that we're giving because we want to get. Now, I'm going to... This show is you can build it, your business. All businesses, every business, is absolutely foundationed on sales. Now, sales to many people means the exchange of money. Not necessarily always the exchange of money. It can be the exchange of ideas. I've sold you on my idea. I've sold you on my concept. But a salesperson, to be effective, has to be a storyteller. Uh, a salesperson to be effective is not a lecturer. They are a storyteller. And those salespersons that many of you have met in your life that you really gravitated to and that you said yes to, and that's the greatest thing in the world is to say yes, because the more you say yes, the more you win, um, you probably made those decisions based on the ability of that salesperson to tell the story that impacted you. They were able to ascertain your need, and they were able to provide a solution to that need, and they probably did it through the story process. Any comments from Tanya, from your experience, Perry, from your experience, and Leland, from your experience, on that idea of sales? I think anyone that wants to sell a product, it's not so much the product or the service. It's absolutely the way you deliver that first connection with the person you're attempting to make a sale to. Mm-hmm. I think it's all—it's not about what you're selling. It's about no. you. It's That's about right. your no like, and trust factor with the person you're dealing with. Because without that, I don't think anyone would ever want to purchase from someone they can't at least trust. They may not know the person that well, and they may not always like the person that well. I've bought several services and, and products from people I wasn't necessarily thrilled with, but I needed the product or service, so I spent the money I had to spend to get that product or service. And, and they satisfied, they left you with the impression that, that you made a good decision. Yeah. And will I return to those places? Probably not, if it oh, was okay. a bad experience. Okay. But if I do receive the no like, and trust, or know that I can come back, with the hopes that that trust factor develops into a knowing better the person I bought from and then beginning to like them even more, then I become a return customer, which obviously is what we're all looking for, is that one to come back the next time and the next time. And the right. Next time. Well, you know, we just segued into a beautiful conversation that I had had with Charlene. I mean, this was a typed conversation. Or no, we actually were on the phone, Charlene Burke. And she may join us, she may not. I know she wanted to. Uh, She has some ideas. She asked me my advice, whatever word that means. She said, what do I think? So you know when anybody, what happens when anybody asks me what I think, Tonya? (laughs) I I tell them, don't I? (laughs) I tell them what I think. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> well, anyway, Charlene and I spent some time on the phone. And she has an idea, a concept of, of a, she wants to offer a program to 10 ladies. I know this sounds sexist, but to 10 women who are in business, who are not neophytes, who are not, uh, you know, want, I, I hate to use words, but that people who have some business experience and, and form a, uh, a half a year program where the 10 of them get together under the guidance of Charlene, and learn from each other, share with each other, and grow with each other. And it would be very structured, okay? And obviously there would be a fee to join this community of only 10. And she asked the question, what were my ideas on how to get it going? And I personally said, and this is what prompted telling the story, I said, Charlene, there's many of us that know you, but when I go around the Internet, I do not see that, and I'm going to use these simple words, the blog about you, the blog that allows me to read the trials and tribulations you had as an engineer, what it was like for you to be in college back a few years ago as a woman in engineering, and when you went into the job market, the the, the successes that you experienced and, and, and the not-so-successes that you experienced. Now, my concept is by telling her story, I'm not talking about writing the book, I'm saying just kind of blog posts, why I found out that or why this was a good move for me will allow the market to get to know her better and as Leland said, know, like, and trust this person. And to me, this is far superior to building the sales letter. And we've all seen those sales letters. We're talking on the Internet now, you know. And Kat, do you ever notice that every one of them look alike and they all say the same thing? Have you ever seen a sales letter that said, well, my program has a lot of holes in it, and it may not work for you? <laughs> you know, it's just the same BS ad, ad nauseatum, you know. Come on, guys, jump in. I'm going to shut up for a minute and have a sip of my soda pop. <laughs> Everyone's using optimized press, I think. That's why. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt about that. And I'm one that actually lacks what you just mentioned, which is an overall story. I have a page on the About Me website, if you've ever seen it. It's a nice little uh, blurb. Well, tell us how to get there, Leland. Just like it is, about.me. You can head over and... Oh, okay, okay, yes. I, I, use that, I use that same program, yes, About Me. And, and that's about all I have out there besides a personal blog and a business blog, and then I have several affiliate sites out mm -hmm. there that I work on, but they don't tell my story. Mm -hmm. It used to be when you Googled Leland Best, all you ever found was the Leland or the best Western hotel in Leland, Michigan. So, <laughs> or Leland, oh, that's North a good place, yeah. For one, but I finally managed to outrank them, and I'm finally landing on the first four spots of Google over top of them, which is a good thing. <laughs> Uh, it's taken me a while to get there. Took a while. Uh, just as just as an aside, Leland, did you ever think about buying the motel? Mm, yeah, there's a thought, but yeah, it's a, lot, it's a little out of my reach. I'm going to have to put that into my seven uh, day mind. Seven day? Oh, you 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 did subscribe to the seven day mindset. Oh, the, the seven day. Uh, oh, what's the word anyway? I'm, you know what I'm talking about. Leland sent me a letter, everybody, that uh, I have on the back of one of my websites. Uh, the, when you leave the page, you're asked to sign Seven Day Mental Diet. And this was written, what, almost 100 years ago, Leland? 
70, at least 80 or 70, 70 years ago, by yeah. Emmett Fox. And to my knowledge, Leland, Perry, and Tonya, I know no one, including myself, who completely did the seven-day diet all at once. And he tells you that if you fail, you've got to start at the beginning. And and it is, but if you read it and study it, you will see what an impact it can. And it's strictly about you. It's not about your friends, neighbors, you know, lovers, whatever. It's about you, the seven-day mental diet. But Emmett Fox has proved, if you guys read much about Emmett Fox, Tonya, you, you've, we've talked about this on the Focus Society show, didn't we? Uh, yes, we did. Yeah, that was God, seven, eight years ago. But anyway, uh, it, it is a great exercise, and you shouldn't feel bad if you don't win. You, you, I mean, if you get to the fifth day, you're a hero. <laughs> you're like, you know, like you just broke the four-minute mile because very few people get that far. Uh, but uh, anyway, Leland, you have a story to tell. You have a position to have. I think. Of course, you're, you're dealing now with people overseas, different cultures, different philosophies, and your specialty may not be as impactful on telling the story as possibly Perry, who has a very, very, oh, she came on just as we're talking about her, so we better shut up now, guys and gals. Charlene just came on. Um, <laughs> but uh, Perry, for, for those of you that don't know, he is a Canadian veteran. And, you know, people people forget that Canadians are veterans, right? And that Canadians uh, have uh, uh, experiences just like other soldiers. I mean, <laughs> Perry, don't, don't think, you know, I'm, I'm not being uh, uh, demeaning here. But nope. you have real, real experiences of your time in the military that is a story in many ways similar to Jim Strauss's. But you can't tell the same story he did because you didn't have the same experiences he did and he didn't have the same experiences you did. No, and and not just that, but um, every experience um, affects everybody present in a different way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So even if you get 10 soldiers together, 10 people together that had a shared experience, each one, each one of them will tell a different story, story, a different version of that story. You know, um, mm-hmm. people remember different pieces differently. They remember right. different smells, uh, right. different sights, different sounds differently. So it, it's, you know, um, even the order of the story can get disjointed between people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's uh, and, and so therefore your story is unique, and I'm, yeah. I'm going back to the premise of the show. We all have a story to tell, and if we have the desire to tell that story, and the the desire should be to tell your story because you know and you believe that there are one, two, three, or a thousand people who can be positively impacted by knowing your story. And that's reason enough to tell it. And when I say positive impact, I'm not putting a dollar sign on it. Although, 
it's interesting, and I share this with everybody. We're getting calls from publishers now, the New York illiterati, as I call them. And because, um, you know, obviously the book has shown some sales, a couple thousand since April 3rd. That's, you know, that's definitely not Bill O'Reilly style. But it's better than Bill O'Reilly, though. Yeah. And, and, and these people are, these are your publishers. This is the world today or the world of yesterday. And one of the first things they said to Jim is, well, you realize you're going to have to take that, the, the, the complete thing off the Internet. And we stuck the middle finger up to them. You know, because isn't it interesting that you can read everything that he writes for free, but people keep buying the book because books are more convenient <laughs> than reading online. And there is the wonderful, the wonderful feeling that many people, I, people can poo-poo all they want. There's nothing better than sitting in a chair on a cold winter night or late at night with one lamp on in the room and holding the book and smelling the paper and reading it right. and, and letting your mind flow, okay? It, it's, just, it's just amazing. Uh, goodbye, uh, Tanya left us, guys. Uh, guys and gals, you, you know that she's been having a tough two weeks. She just sent me a, a message that we're going to get together next week and talk about things because she's just having some, some physical problems. But anyway, uh, the... We're, uh, Today, Perry Chalmers, Charlene Burke, and Leland Best, and Chuck Bartok can tell our story and put it in the hands of people on print with little to no investment. When I put Jim's first 10 days up on CreateSpace, it cost us nothing. All we did was provide them the format they expected, we did have a good friend who understands all that because I didn't. And this book is published on demand. There's 30, 40, 50 sold per day. Okay? And those people send us 70% of the sales. Let me ask you this. If you have a story to tell to a specific niche of people and you're not trying to be the world's best seller you're not trying to be what's the guy's name patterson james patterson yeah. if if you've defined that your goal is to reach people that you feel you can positively influence you're only going to be reaching people who have the same uh, uh, mindset that you do pretty much you're not going to change anybody's mindset you want to be a positive influence and each and one of us today have the power to allow someone to receive in the mail a 300-page paperback book printed on nice paper and so on, and you have absolutely no investment. And you haven't given up your life. You haven't turned your work over to somebody to tear apart in a way that they think is necessary. I'm going to shut up for now, Perry, and uh, Leland speak. <laughs> Uh, I, I think with, especially with uh, Jim Strauss or James Strauss's book there, um, it's, uh, and I mean, I personally bought two copies, one on Kindle, one on Kobo. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that having it up as, as you know, um, on a, as a blog, as blog posts, the way you have it, it, it it's drawing people in 
um, to actually purchase it. And it, it's other veterans who've read his story are saying, hey, guys, this, you know, this is worth reading. Yeah. And it, it, it's, you know, it, it's getting out to other people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, and that's how, you know, that's how you reach people, really. Right. Is like Leland said before, that no like trust. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, I veterans naturally gravitate towards other veterans. They do. It's 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 it's, it's a natural thing. Um, so there's that already that built in, not necessarily a like factor, mm-hmm. because w- in the military we tend to to work with a lot of people we don't like all the time. We sometimes um, you have to. <laughs> it's it's the knowing the trust. Mm-hmm. You know what that person's capable of doing. You know what that person will do. And you trust that that person's going to do the job, so yeah. it's it, it's you know it's it's building that way. Um, yep. So yeah, I don't even know where I was going with that now. Well, I, I lost my train. I, I, I think what I don't know, Leland, come on in. What what do you? Because Charlene won't call in. Darn her anyway. Because I wanted to really focus on her and kick her in the fanny, but that's okay. <laughs> to make the call. Well, I think we got a little sidetracked on a couple of topics here. If we can get back to yeah. your your main point, let's, let's. What was your real main? Point? The, the real main point of the show was we all have a story to tell. Yeah. What can we do to help each other tell it? And oh, and, and and let's do it. I mean, yeah. let's really throw a dart at the wall or write down the date when you're going to start the story, and that may be a blog. That may be, you know, because well, today... Give, and I can take it from there, Chuck. I think one thing that's really important is that we do need to decide where our audience lies first. Absolutely. But we did talk about that before you came on board. But uh, Yeah, we, you, we have to have that because if yeah. we don't know who we're directing our words to, then they are going to fall on deaf ears. Right. It's similar to what my wife has gone through. She was right. She suffers PTSD. Yes, she, she does. She's gone through a very tumultuous lifetime of sexual abuse, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And in that process, she wrote a book years ago, mm-hmm. which was structured without an ending at the time because she was looking for that ending that she wanted, that peace of mind, the closure that she was looking for. Mm-hmm. And Allie Jesse Raphael came to her to have her on her show. She was going to introduce the book and all of this type of uh, gathering that was going on at the time, but she wasn't. she was reluctant because the book wasn't finished. We actually had an individual come by one day who was a missionary family that stayed at our home a few years ago in Saginaw. And at the time, they felt that the book writing was so deep and so, you might want to call it graphic, but it Mm -hmm. wasn't really a graphic story. It was just the the way the story had to be told. And he felt it wasn't good to publish for the sake of those who might be affected by it. (laughs) So it caused her second thoughts, and she destroyed the book. Oh, no. Yeah, you told me that. I, I just about died when you told me that. It's just one of those things. Now, that story should have been told the way it was. Absolutely. And now it has to be rewritten. So we have to consider the fact if we're going to champion the stories of others, we need to share in the experience of that story with them first off. We have mm-hmm. to understand the story, which is something that James Strauss is capable of doing on his own. He's, pre- he's brought us into his world and we're able to be a part of that world. So it's very easy to champion his cause because we feel him, we know him, we understand him. And that's the story my wife... Even with his frailties and his mess-ups and his screw-ups in life, you know. (laughs) But it's 
strength that he shows in being able to tell that story. Right. That it's so important. And it's like myself, I would love to write a book someday. I've never laid pen to I used to write short stories all the time in school and I Where are they? They're probably lost to history somewhere in uh old forms of uh lined paper that never made it past um other residences. Okay, I I want I I want to interject something right now. Because I personally know this. I mean, I believe in this so strongly. Okay? If you wrote a short story 26 years ago, you can today write that story almost verbatim. And it probably will be better because the life experiences that you've had because in reality, most of it, those who write fiction, we really do write life experiences because our characters, we don't make characters up. What One of the things Jim did during the, during the writer's strike on television, and this is you know a big controversy, Jim wrote many episodes of a famous television program. Obviously, there's absolutely no credit. You can't prove it. And if you say it, the whole world, including Hollywood, will call you a liar, okay? I'm sitting here one night, we're watching reruns, and my wife says, damn, that character looks just like, or acts just like you do. Because Jim wrote me into a character. Do you see what I mean? And we hadn't seen each other for 15 years. (laughs) So, again, our subconscious mind has so much inside of it. Charlene, Perry, Leland. Leland, if you wrote short stories... You can rewrite them. And I want to focus more importantly, your wife. If that's destroyed somehow, of course, she has to want to. You cannot force a person to do anything. But what she has to share should be shared. And I sound like an old man that kind of mentored me back almost 50 years ago. He said, if you have something inside of you that's important, you're obligated by your creator to share it. I would agree. And she feels the same way. She knows that at some yeah. point all the words will land on the paper they belong yeah. on. It will end up in the hands of those who really need it because right. she's got so much that she's looking forward to writing. I think she just never had it in the tone or the structure that she was looking for. And mm-hmm. as she continues to grow both spiritually, emotionally, and you know, getting through the fears and the, the tumultuous happenings in her own mind that she's mm-hmm. dealing with, once all of that gets put down on paper, yeah. she will have one of the greatest stories ever written. Yeah. It's, it's, we're looking forward to it. We really are. And I want to back that up by saying today, we do not need, we can be successful, we do not need any pseudo-intellectual to tell us how it should be done. You know what I'm trying? I mean, this this today, I, I know there's a million books on Amazon, and most of them sell less than ten copies. But it was mentioned earlier by you, Leland Perry, mentioned it, and I know Charlene believes this, and I believe this. If we know who we're writing to, with the internet, they are so easy to find, and we're going to focus our time and energy in putting that in front of them. Now, in the process of writing, in your wife's case, I'm going to go back to my theory. If your wife decides to do this, 
she should be blogging about the trials and tribulations of doing it. And if it was only a once a week blog that says, this week I just absolutely sweat, my, I felt I wrought my hands trying to get back to blank, 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 okay? Because now I'm reading daily about somebody who's creating something, a sculpture, something of value, that when it's completed, I'm on board. You, you, you've pre-sold a thousand. You see what I mean? And she's in that process. I've tried. I've, we have blogs open for her to write freely on, but she's more of a pen and paper person. So okay. She sits down with her notebooks and her journals and fills them. I, I mean, she fills them. She goes through them, and she actually decided the other day to burn some more because it's not what oh, she wants. She's, she's at a point where she just writes to dump her. It's like an emotional dump. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. she does that, she feels that rather than having to go through it again, sometimes it's better for her to destroy and recreate than mm-hmm. to just let it hang. With Has she ever thought about sharing that which she wrote with someone of empathy? I, I wish she would. Um, now, we had a young lady that was on this show just a minute ago, Tonya Heathcote, whose life isn't like your wife's. But if she told you her story, you would feel the same way that you did reading your wife. You see, in a different set of circumstances. The interesting thing, though, Tonya, she not only has, if you want to use the word PTSD, Tonya has the physical pain. Oh, yeah, same here. You, you know what I mean. I mean, her seizures are huge. Oh, not quite there. My wife suffers from fibromyalgia. Okay, well, that, that's, that's a, an outcome of it, yeah. God, you know, I, I'm. How can I say I'm getting excited? The excitement is because I'm listening to things that really make me feel good. That there are people that have the ability to share, and if there's anything I can do to kick them over the ledge to do it, I, you know, that would be my accomplishment. <laughs> and 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 Charlene. Uh, do you remember our conversation on the phone the other day? And 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 you know she's she's typing madly. You guys can't read it. Uh, um, so we're talking about how to help each other to tell your story to the right people, so that you can help yourself and others. And and that really is the the foundation of business. Truly, I mean, truly successful people in business. I'm not going to say corporations. People, truly successful in business, never initially did what they did because of the end result, the financial gain of it. They felt they wanted to build a better mousetrap. They wanted to write a better book. They wanted to design a better dress. They wanted to build a better home. They wanted to create a better vehicle. That was the goal. If they did the job well, and if they introduced it to those who care, success is guaranteed. That's what amazes me about life. Everything I've done, every unsuccessful thing I've done is because I I didn't do things right. I I didn't follow the pattern that was written. Napoleon Hill's Thinking and Grow Rich, the six six simple steps of success are irrefutable. 
They are absolutely written in stone, the six simple steps of success. If a person follows those, they can't help but be successful. The problem is most people miss steps two, three, and four. <laughs> you know, and, and they're motivated for, for a, a, a different thing. I think it's none of that, Chuck. I think most people want to have control of their own destiny in the sense that they don't want to be, let's put it in simple terms, told by others what to do. And I think most people, they they shun that idea that, well, why do I have to do what this person tells me I have to do? That's a terrible downfall of myself. I feel I'm I'm able to do anything I put my mind to, Mm -hmm. but most of the time, if I go into a system or a program where somebody wants to step me word by word through something, mm-hmm. my mind, my engineering, critical thinking mind always wants to tell me, no, there's something there that I could do better. <laughs> and when I do, I yeah. fall off the path and yeah. I go on a different route yeah. and everything changes and the results aren't there. So I need to really watch myself on those regards. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I, I'm going to share this. Uh, Perry, I know, has has some good input coming up. But uh, <laughs> w- one of the things, years ago, in fact, this is, I hired Jim. Ostensibly, we had an insurance agency. That's always a good business to have on the wall. Whether we did insurance or not is irrelevant. Um, but one of the things that was absolutely true, you know, I'm talking 20-year-old people, okay, is that if you will put in the top of your mind the sales track. Now, these words just are abhorrent to people. And I was a contrary in the day I was born. I never walked the same walk. I never did what everybody else did. I was always the weirdo. But I did learn, and I was had a wonderful mentor, that if I learned a very simple, and it's so entrenched in my mind I can repeat it now, but I'm not going to. I can't, and if I tell that story to enough people per day, I can't help but make money. And when I, when I would, I proved it to myself. I was brand new in town. I didn't know anybody, and all of a sudden I'm a success. And, and that's what I did when I brought people in is I shared that same thing with them, and it works. But we fight that. Jim fought it, I fought it, and people, uh, individually thinking people fight it. But then an old man said to me, what's wrong with utilizing a tool that works? You're not selling yourself to the devil by utilizing that. You see what I mean? You can still be the contrarian. You can still be the person who walks his own walk and talks his own talk. But here's what would happen. You'd be talking to some other recruits, and they'd say, I'm not going to do that. I can do it better. And none of them ever stuck around. Why is that? <laughs> because they forgot to pick up the hammer that was a proven tool. So many of us who are brilliant, which everybody on this call is today, tomorrow, and the future, um, we have to learn to sometimes pick up a hammer too. huh? <laughs> a hammer that's a proved, proved tool. Perry, what's your thoughts? Um. I'm I'm going to put it the way um, one of my aunts um, put it when my wife and I, we had just been married probably a year and a bit at this point. We'd been talking about having kids and uh, we were talking about, we are like, well, you know, we want to wait till we can afford it. And, and my aunt said, if you wait till you can afford it, you'll never, ever have kids. Mm. 
And it's it's very, very similar. If you wait to try something better, you will never, ever accomplish something. That's right. You, you don't learn by success. You learn by failure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, yeah, it, it may work. Uh, you know, doing something 100 times may work for somebody else, mm-hmm. but it might not work for me. Mm-hmm. But you know, I should at least try that Give it a to try. find out if yeah. it will work or well, not. Well, uh, uh, apply action. That, cause, cause, yeah. See, see, here's another thing that I learned real early, like late high school. There are some words that I, I try to remove from my subconscious, and try is one of them. Try, to me, signifies negativity within itself, okay? Yeah. I will apply action yeah, <laughs> which is another way of probably saying the same thing. But for some reason, applying action is an it, it it just sounds more positive to me. Yeah, it's 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 got a more more positive sense to it, a more positive yeah. feel. Yeah, try um, to, to even say the word try. Think about think about your your breathing and try is an effort. Applying action has I don't know it just it just has vibrance, okay? So we play mind games with ourselves, and there's nothing wrong with that. We remove words from our mindset. There's a YouTube video on my channel, Chuck Bartok. I riffed one day on the video. It's probably eight, ten years ago about the words that you should completely remove from from your mindset, you know. And Lord knows I haven't done it all my life. You know, we all have the same problems. We don't follow that path all the time. But when you do, things seem to work better. And Charlene's typing up like a mad person here. Why can't I see more? Yeah, it takes us back to what Yoda said on Star Wars, do or do not. Yeah. No yep. yeah. See, interesting you said that, do or do not, there is no try. Sometimes you have to channel Yoda. <laughs> and that's what Charlene just typed. Boy, are, are we on the same wavelength? Everybody, Charlene, Perry, uh, and Leland, uh, uh, we know that Tanya's left us. It, it's that time of the day when uh, I assisted my wife, and the phone just rang also. I'm going to hang up. I want to say thank you very much, and I hope we can all meet again next week. I will put this up on for people to share. Share it. I appreciate it, but I am going to have to go. This is Chuck Bartok saying thank you very much for joining us next week. Same time, same station. Thank you, Leland, Perry, Charlene, and Tonya. Good night, all. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit